Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion in Frank v. Gauss. This one does not have a syllabus, but it's only seven pages long and a per curiam opinion, so we're just going to go ahead and read it. On writ of certiori to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, March 20th, 2019, per curiam opinion. Three named plaintiffs brought class action claims against Google for alleged violations of the Stored Communications Act. The parties negotiated a settlement agreement that would require Google to include certain disclosures on some of its web pages and would distribute more than $5 million to Cypress recipients, more than $2 million to class counsel, and no money to absent class members. We granted certiori to review whether such Cypress settlements satisfy the requirement that class settlements be fair, reasonable, and adequate. Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 23E2 because there remain substantial questions about whether any of the named plaintiffs has standing to sue in light of our decision in Spokio Incorporated versus Robbins, we vacate the judgment of the Ninth Circuit and remand for further proceedings. Google operates an internet search engine. The search engine allows users to search for a word or phrase by typing a query into the Google website. Google returns a list of web pages that are relevant to the indicated term or phrase. The complaints allege that when an internet user conducted a Google search and clicked on a hyperlink to open one of the web pages listed on the search results page, Google transmitted information, including the terms of the search, to the server that hosted the selected web page. This so-called referrer header told the server that the user arrived at the web page by searching for particular terms on Google's website. Paloma Gauss challenged Google's use of referrer headers. She filed a complaint in federal district court on behalf of herself and a punitive class of people who conducted a Google search and clicked on any of the resulting links within a certain time period. Gauss alleged that Google's transmission of users' search terms in a referrer header violated the Stored Communications Act, 18 U.S.C. Section 2701. The SCA prohibits a person or entity providing an electronic communication service to the public from knowingly divulging any person or entity, knowingly divulging to any person or entity, the contents of a communication while in electronic storage by that service. Section 2702A1. The Act also creates a private right of action that entitles any person aggrieved by any violation to recover from the person or entity other than the United States, which engaged that violation. Such relief as may be appropriate. Section 2707A, Gauss also asserted several state law claims. Google moved to dismiss for lack of standing three times. Its first attempt was successful. The district court reasoned that although a plaintiff may establish standing through allegations of violation of a statutory right, Gauss had failed to plead facts sufficient to support a claim for violation of her statutory rights. That's Gauss versus Google uh, 2011. In particular, the court faulted Gauss for 
failing to plead that she clicked on a link from the Google search page. After Gauss filed an amended complaint, Google again moved to dismiss. That second attempt was partially successful. The district court dismissed Gauss's state law claim, but denied the motion as to her SCA claims. The court reasoned that because the SCA created a right to be free from the unlawful disclosure of certain communications, and because Gauss alleged a violation of the SCA that was specific to her, i.e. based on a search she conducted, Gauss alleged a concrete and particularized injury. That's Gauss versus Google 2012. The court resisted that conclusion on Edwards versus First American Corporation, a Ninth Circuit decision reasoning that an Article III injury exists whenever a statute gives an individual a statutory cause of action and the plaintiff claims that the defendant violated the statute. After the district court ruled on Google's second motion to dismiss, we granted certiori in Edwards to address whether an alleged statutory violation alone can support standing. See First, Amer First American Financial Corporation versus Edwards. In the meantime, Gauss and an additional named plaintiff filed a second amendment, second amended complaint against Google. Google once again moved to dismiss. Google argued that the named plaintiffs did not have standing to bring their SCA claims because they had failed to allege facts establishing a cognizable injury. Google recognized that the district court had previously relied on Edwards to find standing based on the alleged violation of a statutory right. But, because this court had agreed to review Edwards, Google explained that it would continue to challenge the district court's conclusion we eventually dismissed Edwards as improvidently granted. And Google then withdrew its argument that Gauss lacked standing for the SCA claims. Gauss's punitive class action was consolidated with a similar complaint, and the parties negotiated a class-wide settlement. The terms of their agreement required Google to include certain disclosures about referrer headers on three of its web pages. Google could, however, continue its practice of transmitting users' search terms in referrer headers. Google also agreed to pay $8.5 million. None of these funds would be distributed to absent class members. Instead, most of the money would be distributed to six Cypress recipients. In the class action context, Cypress refers to the practice of distributing settlement funds not amenable to individual claims or meaningful pro-ratio distribution to non-profit organizations, whose work is determined to indirectly to benefit class members. That's Black's Law Dictionary, 2014. In this case, the Cypress recipients were selected by class counsel and Google to promote public awareness and education and or support research, development, and initiatives related to protecting privacy on the Internet. The rest of the funds would be used for administrative costs and fees, given to the named plaintiffs in the form of incentive payments, and awarded to class counsel as attorney's fees. The district court granted preliminary certification of the class and preliminary approval of the settlement. Five class members, including petitioners Theodore Frank, Melissa 
Holyoke objected to the settlement on several grounds. They complained that settlements providing only Cypress relief do not comply with the requirements of Rule 23E, that Cypress relief was not justified in this case, and that conflicts of interest infected the selection of the Cypress recipients. After hearing the district court, granted final approval of the settlement. After a hearing, the district court granted final approval of the settlement. Apologies, I'm one taking this one. Frank and Holyoke appealed. After briefing before the Ninth Circuit was complete, but prior to decision by that court, we issued our opinion in Spokio Incorporated versus Robbins. In Spokio, we held that Article Three standing requires a concrete injury, even in the context of a statutory violation. We rejected the premise, relied on in the decision then under review, and in Edwards, that a plaintiff automatically satisfies the injury-in-fact requirement whenever a statute grants that person a statutory right and purports to authorize that person to sue to vindicate that right. Google notified the Ninth Circuit of our opinion. A divided panel of the Ninth Circuit affirmed, without addressing Spokio, that was Henry Google Refer Header Privacy Litigation 2017, we granted certiori to decide whether a class action settlement that provides a Cypress award but no direct relief to class members satisfies the requirement that a settlement binding class members to be fair, reasonable, and adequate. In briefing on the merits, before this court, the Solicitor General filed a brief as amicus curiae, supporting neither party. He urged us to vacate and remand the case for the lower courts to address standing. The government argued that there is a substantial open question about whether any named plaintiff in the class action actually had standing in the district court. Because Google withdrew its standing challenge after we dismissed Edwards as improvidently granted, neither the district court nor the Ninth Circuit ever opined on whether any named plaintiff sufficiently alleged standing in the operative complaint. We have an obligation to assure ourselves of litigants' standing under Article 3. Dalmer Chrysler v. Cuno. Quoting Friends of the Earth Incorporated v. Laidlaw Environmental Services. That obligation extends to court approval of proposed class action settlements. In ordinary non-class litigation, parties are free to settle their disputes on their own terms, and plaintiffs may voluntarily dismiss their claims without a court order. That's Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 41A1A. By contrast, in a class action, the claims, issues, or defenses of a certified class or class proposed to be certified for purposes of settlement may be settled, voluntarily dismissed, or compromised only with the court's approval. Federal Rule of Civil Procedure 23E. A court is powerless to approve a proposed class settlement if it lacks jurisdiction over the dispute, and a federal court lacks jurisdiction if no named plaintiff has standing. Simon v. Eastern Kentucky Welfare Rights Organization. When the district court ruled on Google's second motion to dismiss, it relied on Edwards to hold that Gauss had standing to assert a claim under the SCA. 
Our decision in Spokio abrogated the ruling in Edwards that the violation of a statutory right automatically satisfies the injury in fact requirement whenever a statute authorizes a person to sue to vindicate that right. Since that, that time, no court in this case has analyzed whether any named plaintiff has alleged SCA violations that are sufficiently concrete and particularized to support standing. After oral argument, we ordered supplemental briefing from the parties and Solicitor General to address that question. After reviewing the supplemental briefs, we conclude that the case should be remanded for the courts below to address the plaintiff's standing in light of Spokio. The supplemental briefs filed in response to our order raise a wide variety of legal and factual issues not addressed in the merits briefing before us or at oral argument. We are a court of review, not of first view. Cutter versus Wilkinson. Resolution of the standing question should take place in the district court, or the Ninth Circuit in the first instance. We therefore vacate and remand for further proceedings. Nothing in our opinion should be interpreted as expressing a view on any particular resolution of the standing question. The judgment of the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit is vacated, and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. It is so ordered. Again, that was a per curiam opinion. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of the podcast, we can be reached at RhodesScholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and 8-0.